And so today we are going to delve deep into the warm pool of 90s nostalgia and talk about the mirror universe and Star Trek. Okay, well, so I think done the least well is actually the original series because they didn't know it was going to turn into this big thing across multiple iterations of Star Trek. So it's still a good, it's still a great episode, right? I enjoy it. Spock's got himself a goatee, so you know he's the bad dude. Um, But from a world-building narrative standpoint, it probably has the weakest plot of of all of them. It's literally, boom, transporter accident. Hey, why do these guys have goatees and knives, and why are they trying to kill everybody? Hey, let's just blend in and then get back to our own ship, and bada-bing, bada-boom, 45 minutes later, episode's over with. And then when you get to the other episodes in the other series they really tie everything together they build on stuff they give you bigger bigger more important plot points there's more there's more risk involved to everyone yeah um see for me i judge tos one the the mirror mirror one the the original probably a lot of rose colored glasses because i'm like oh it was the first yeah you know in the original series there was a thing where you could like poke a mirror and then someone disappears right and oh, they, yeah, brought, yeah. they brought that back for the mirror mirror episode and so at that time in television broadcasting in general there wasn't really a lot of like continuity like that. at least i don't think there was and so mm-hmm. i could appreciate that about it and it was a pretty simple you know like run-of-the-mill plot you're right there i think my least favorite is probably enterprise really Yes. Now, there's a lot of Enterprise I appreciate and expect because, you know, I was a teenager when Enterprise was first run. Mm-hmm. And so it was, you know, it was kind of my initial track, right? I mean, you know, DS9 and Voyager, obviously, but when I was forming my own personality, it was Enterprise. But looking at it now as an adult, there's there's not a lot that Enterprise did that other things didn't do. And what they did do was at the beginning when they're flashing back to the Vulcans beating Zeph from Cochrane, and then they do like the live long and prosper thing. And he pulls a gun, shoots that guy in the face. And they're like, we're going to take the ship. And I'm like, yes, that's the America. I know a hundred percent. That is like, that doesn't have to be an evil version of us. Yeah. That's bro. That's Tuesday. That's like Tuesday. That's like, Montana. Yeah. <laughs> like, you could legitimately land in Montana right now, and that could happen to you. Yeah, you don't have to be a Vulcan. You can just be some dude on a road trip, and you took a wrong turn. Yeah, and that could happen. So that's that part is super believable. Yeah. and you know, as you're talking about it, I think maybe one reason that like I really like the Mirrorverse um, episodes of Enterprise mm-hmm. more than they're worth is because I find it interesting that there was no crossover. Sure. It was we just got these two episodes where they were just showing you the mirrorverse, but the Enterprise crew from our timeline doesn't go there, right? It's You're just right. This, weird, this weird thing. We're, we're showing you the mirrorverse, but what I did like about it was um, two Easter eggs that I didn't even that I like now that I know about them, but I originally did not pick up on them. Was the um, the ship that the Tholians got from our timeline that's in Enterprise, right? The Defiant. Is the Defiant, which is a reference from a TOS episode where they were actually looking for the Defiant that disappeared yep. in space. So I was like, oh, hey, that's a cool callback. That is, and yeah. Rushing to, um, rushing all the way to the end um, when uh, when Hoshi become, like takes out Archer becomes she's going to become the Empress. It's a awesome tie-in to Discoveries, yes, because. Captain Giorgio in like the very first episode of Discovery is talking to Michael Burnham saying how like Hoshi was her mother, right? And then boom, you get Discovery's mirrorverse, and now Giorgio's alive again, right? But she's the Empress because Hoshi was her mother, and in the mirrorverse, she killed Archer and took over the Empire. So yes. it's like it was this real nice, like, hey, you guys are building on stuff that the other guys did in a really cool, fun way that I honestly didn't see coming. Yes. I like it. And that, I, that, that, that worked for me. The, but I think retro, and it, it made like a retroactive, I like the episodes more now because of what it connects to. Exactly. 
and and the Hoshi thing, I didn't pick up on until you said something. I, I didn't even realize that. I'm like, oh shit, he's fucking right. And um, and that leads to why, like, for me, discovery for their mirror, their mirror universe stuff is probably some of my favorite. Discovery is like the Michael Bay version of Star Trek, right? <laughs> like that is that that is accurate. And, and that's not necessarily an insult because Michael Bay's done some good things. I love Armageddon, but it's it's big, it's loud. It takes much like President of the Federation said to Michael Burnham in Episode One, Season Four. You take big swings, and sometimes it's a pendulum, and sometimes it's a hammer. Right? Sometimes it yeah. works, and sometimes everything. But it's. When Discovery's good, it's fucking great. I love their mirror universe stuff. I, Sinequa Martin Green is a fantastic actress, and mm -hmm. Mirror Burnham is my favorite Burnham by far. Oh, they they have so much fun. Mm -hmm. They have like all of them. Like, and for me, like crazy Michael Burke, she plays crazy really well. Oh, like, yeah. Sinequa Martin Green does unhinged. Like, like I, you know, I'm sure she's a lovely person, but clearly there's some darkness there because she just pulled that right out of her hat. Like, you know, like, like, oh, oh shit, you're terrifying and you're really good at being terrifying. And if I saw you, I'd be like, whatever you say, boss, I'm going to follow you anywhere. Fuck. Um, but let's talk about Captain Lorca. What are your thoughts oh, on Lorca? Man, he, he honestly... Jason Isaacs did such an amazing job. Like, you always knew there was something off with him through Discovery, right? Like, before yeah. you find out he's from the Mirror Universe and all this other stuff, he wasn't like any other Starfleet captain. He was a lot more ruthless, a lot more willing to, like, be in combat. But he was really good being a captain. You yeah. know what I mean? He was making the right choices, the smart <laughs> choices. And he wasn't going out of his way to be a prick to anybody. Yeah. You know, um, evil Burnham is evil, yeah. right? Captain Killy is psychotic as well, though. Yeah. Killy has a blonde. Like, that was, I'm not going to lie, that was working for me. Even all the evil versions of everyone we get is great. But Lorca, he was honestly, like, the most stable. Yeah. Um, and, and thinking about it for the, for the podcast episode, I was like, him and Empress Giorgio were really the only two that weren't complete psychopaths. Yeah. They were sociopaths for sure. Like, hey, I want what I want, and I'm going to kill whoever I got to kill to get it. But they weren't malicious. They weren't cruel for cruelty's sake. And it didn't even seem like they enjoyed it. It was just kind of like, look, this is just what I got to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Look, this, is, this is the way things are. This is how I got to work this. And this is what I'm going to do because I have to. Life but in a big city. Exactly. Now... Captain Killy, on the other hand, and evil Michael Burnham, they enjoyed that stuff. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, they were having fun with it. And that's one of the reasons why I really like Lorca. As and, and I will agree with you on one thing. Single Derwin would nervously ask Captain Killy out, right? And then she'd probably just, like, <laughs> smack me with a frying pan and then make me clean up her kitchen for her and never have sex with me at all. And I'd be okay with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely, that's definitely, that, that, that checks out. I just yeah. did, I just ran the math. It checks out. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, Lorca does a he just he does this great job, and the writers honestly did a really good job throughout the first half of that season of Discovery, sure. setting you up for it, so that when it does happen, you're like, uh huh, there we go. <laughs> I like, how did I not like see this coming? And I kind of like you kind of see it coming, like right at the end. You sure. know what I mean? Like right at the end, like you know, like okay, this is this is what's going to happen. But it, it was very elegantly done, and his character doesn't change. Yeah. You know, like, he doesn't get in the mirror universe and then suddenly become some crazed, bloodthirsty so psychopath, right? Yeah. He's just like, hey, I need to be the emperor. This is what we got to do. By the way, you guys help me. You can get home. You know, like, it, somebody's got to be stable, right? Like, yeah. Like, like an empire can't run on instability forever. Oh, yeah. And, and honestly, that's my only real beef with any of these episodes and it's such a little beef that i just throw it away and don't really think about it is right. that their society literally doesn't make sense like it would not function yeah. like it's one thing when you have like 
you know, the emperor and anyone can challenge him to a fight. And if he wins, he's the emperor. Whoever win, beats him is still the emperor. But going down the chain like that, where yeah. all your subordinates can all the all I have to do to be the captain, I could be a private and I just walk on the bridge and stab you in the back of the throat. And now I'm the captain. Like that, there's no way a society would actually be able to function like that. It's great for TV, it's oh, yeah. great for fun. But there's no way it would it, it doesn't make any sense that it would realistically work. And every now and again. I'll be watching one of the episodes and it'll take me out of it a little bit. Like, dude, there's no way this would work. Yeah. There's no way this would work. But it's it's very rare and it's a it's a small little gripe. For but me, yeah, like Lorca is kind of like the most honest version of Captain Kirk, right? He's <laughs> Captain Kirk with all of the moral the, the morality and the pretense stripped away. So Lorca is the guy that figured he got sent to a whole nother universe, figured out how to impersonate his double and then figure out how to trick everyone and then go back into his world to retake the empire. He's the guy that turns death into a fighting chance to live. He's the guy that never takes, there's no way, there's no, no win scenario for Captain Lorca, right? Oh yeah. And you know, rewatching, I was trying to pick up if, because if you remember, um, the whole the whole thing about how he got in command of Discovery was he like destroyed his ship to kill a bunch of Klingons and prevent his crew from being captured. But when he's talking about coming over, he's talking about how that whatever whatever happened happened then, right? Yeah. But it's not specifically said whether he Mirrorverse Lorca showed up. Saw everything going to hell in a handbasket. He's like, well, let me just set this self-destruct real quick and I'm <laughs> bouncing. Or did our like did the prime universe's Lorca was was he willing to destroy the ship so to prevent the capture of everyone and he was gonna die with them? Or did he like bitch out and jump in an escape pod, leave everyone to die? And that's when the two of them switched. <laughs> you know, like, was he was Prime Universe Lorca actually a good dude, or was he a coward trying to bounce out? Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. They don't really give us an answer on that. I, I would like to think that that's not exactly how it happened, but it was just one of those questions that kind of popped up to me like, huh, I wonder, because he was a captain of a starship, so you would assume he's a decent human being, right? Sure. That probably wouldn't run out on his crew, but you never know. Yeah. And it was just one of those thoughts. I was like, huh, I wonder if, I wonder if Mirrorverse Lorker did that or the Prime guy. Yeah. It's just kind of a, an interesting thing. And then the whole, the whole thing with the eyes, that was... That was weird, and 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 that's just a little bit of a plot hole because in T, in the TOS episode, which is a couple hundred years later or yeah. hundred years after that, they don't they never mention it. It like the stuff isn't you know it's just one of those things that it's not really talked about, and it's such a big thing. Yeah, that you kind of it's it's like when they change the way the Klingons looked in Discovery. It's like you man why why because now you got to address this and it doesn't make sense and it's and it's messing with my comp it's just those tiny little instance inconsistencies that like a good sci-fi nerd is going to key on and be like who's your staff (laughs) there's somewhere in your office there was a janitor who loves star trek and he's just happy that he's cleaning your office and if you had asked that guy he would have brought you 15 reasons why that's going to stand out and you shouldn't do it because you didn't have to yeah, they literally. I think they, honest to God, I think they just did it to give Lorca something odd for us to key on throughout the season yeah. until we find out why it's odd. You know yeah, what I mean? Like retroactive, like oh, they're you yeah. know it, it's bread crumbs they're receding. Um, yeah, it it, and that's kind of a thing I like about the like discovery. Like I said, it's fucking big. It's Michael. It's Bayos. It's enormous, yeah. and. If you think about it, you've got Discovery, which is this big, sprawling epic with, like, fake suns and world ships and stuff. And then there is TOS, which is, like, you know, it's a 60s sci-fi show, right? So there's a lot of limitations there. But it's they're like, oh, it's a bottle episode, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And, like, the opening scene of Mirror Mirror is them clearly on it. Of course, I'm watching, you know, 4D on Paramount+. Plus. So you're like, oh, you right. can see how the sun's painted in the background. But, yep. oh, it's the soundstage, clearly. But, of course, it was. And I, you can see where Mirror Universe and, you know, Discovery are, or, or, or the TOS and the Discovery episodes are part of the same universe. But 
but fuck, they're so different. Like <laughs> Exactly. Though I think this is just something I made up in my own head mm-hmm. to make it make sense was yeah. all that extra technology, that high level technology stuff was all on the Empress's ship, right? Yes. And it makes sense to me that the Emperor would keep all of it for herself, himself, whoever it is, which is why in TOS, they still have a Constitution class ship. It's why in Discovery, they still have um, the um, the Discovery style of ship, right? Like, like the technology isn't super advanced yeah. because the Emperor keeps all that for themselves because they can't let anyone else have them. Right, like they, yeah. they want they want the ability to be like, oh hey, I've got a starship powered by a freaking sun, and no one else can come close and touch this, so I can kill everyone who tries to come after me. So that that makes sense to me. Yeah. And I would like and Giorgio is smart enough to do that. Yeah. So and she she did such a good job. Oh she did she did such a good job of being like, Hey, I am smart enough to realize that this is a bad deal. It doesn't mean I'm a good person. Yeah, because this is the way I was. This is this is the way I, I grew up and evolved. But I see that it's a problem. Sure, you know, is she just can't do anything about it? You know, like she wants to trust Michael. She wants to love people around her, and she can't because as soon as she does, what happens? Eh, she's plotting with Lurker to kill you. You know, and that's and, hey. and I thought it was really cool that they brought her back. You know, yeah. I mean, like, okay, this is cool. And so I think for me, uh, my favorite part. My favorite example of uh, the Mary universe is Deep Space Nine, right? Because it was like you had this. It's like watching all of the the, Mary, the Deep Space Nine Mary Universe episodes together. It was like it was like you're watching snippets of another show, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Deep Space Nine's strongest skill was continuity, was dense continuity, and so. They could say, oh, these are just random episodes from another show. And I could almost close my eyes and imagine this whole other show where all of a sudden people from a really good universe come and they're a little pretentious and everything kind of worked out. And <laughs> they're like, oh, why aren't you nice people? Well, they're killing all of us and life is hell. So, and everything's kind of sexy in the mirror universe, right? Right. Like, <laughs> Like for real, like that's that that's that that's a common thread for everything. But I am not going to lie. I think let's see, when the DS9 Mirror Universe came out, the first one, I bet you I was still in high school. Yeah. And Evil Major Kira, like Nana Visitor, I had such a crush. Yeah. And you 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 toss her into that role. Yeah. And for for the time, that was. Pretty over the top sexualized on TV, especially yeah. for Star Trek. Yeah. I was just like, Woo, lit. like, ma'am, this is a family show. <laughs> not anymore. It's not. Oh, it's no. and walking I'm, to- and trust me, I was good with it. I was, I was very like, you walk into in the indented Kira's office and you're like, oh, she just finished having an orgy. Like, that's what oh, happened. Yeah, yeah. That, that is that is definitely what just happened. And, like, she wants, like, when when our mate, when, when Prime Universe Major Kira comes over, she goes, oh, she kind of wants the fuck. Like, oh, kind of, kind of. She legitimately is sitting there like, this is something new. And I definitely <laughs> want to try this. It's, and I know somewhere there is some epic fan fiction written about that yeah i don't know where it is but i know it has to exist it's hot and sexy and wrong <laughs> yeah you, you you definitely need to shower after reading it because you feel bad mm-hmm. <laughs> oh one other thing too that like i don't want to skip over this part yeah who has it better is it mirrorverse o'brien who is essentially a slave and has to fix everything and it's a bleak existence or is it prime universe o'brien who has to fix everything has a bleak existence and a shrew of a wife in keiko (laughs) that's just the worst that he has to deal with and i'm sitting here watching this i'm like you know you know as bad as it is I don't think Mirrorverse O'Brien is married to Keiko. You know, <laughs> you, you know, you know, he does. He he doesn't come. He's not coming home after an entire day of like crawling through Jeffrey's tubes. 
to hear about some weird thing going on at the school that she's trying to set up that no one cares about, least of all O'Brien. <laughs> like, lady, do you understand? Like, like it's the 23rd century or 24th century, and he was still working at a factory when he was five. Yeah. Like, he's the one guy. He's the one guy on planet Earth. It's like, oh, he's five years old. Get him out of school. Get his Irish ass into a factory and make sure he picks 15 potatoes on his way there because he cannot catch a break. A guy like Colomini is such a great actor. And I actually really enjoy the character of Chief O'Brien because he's the only enlisted guy there. But man, he gets fucked over a lot. Like Avery Brooks, um, Nana Visitor, like uh, everybody, everybody gets to have a lot of fun with their mirror verse alter egos. Yeah. Like they're in, they're either in positions of authority or they're crazy and they get to do awesome stuff. And here's O'Brien. My life still sucks. Like whatever <laughs> universe it is, O'Brien's screwed. <laughs> and I got like, help for the guy. Him being NCO makes sense. Like <laughs> he comes home, he's like, you know, I really loved her five years ago. <laughs> now, now she's got my kids, so I guess I'll stick around. <laughs> it's just simpler. And oh, yeah. But I, but I, anyways, I was watching the episode, and that's that's kind of what popped in my mind. I was just like, you know, I think mirror. I think if I had to choose between which one of the two I'd be, I'd be mirror versus O'Brien. Like it ends up better for him. Because, I'd be like, smiley hey, with yeah. the rebels, and you know, just just fighting with the rebels and hanging out with like. Living- yeah, living that bastard life like it was rough for him in the beginning but i think it ends up better for him than it does from the actual o'brien you know <laughs> yeah like but you know the thing i like too about o'brien is like it it's it i think we talked about this before he's the only non-commissioned officer in all of star trek right yeah and so you and i were you know enlisted you know human garbage and so, like, he's the one we're going to relate to because he looks like an NCO, right? Like, he looks like oh, his yeah. whole, like, generations of his family suffered in poverty, right? Like, yep, you oh, crawled 100%. your way out. <laughs> like, he definitely he definitely joined for, like, the Federation GI Bill. Yeah. But then just, like, he got that one good posting that kept him in. Yeah. And before, like, you know, he got posted to the Enterprise, like, hey, look, I'll re-enlist for this. Yeah. And then he winds up married to Keiko with a kid. He's like, I can't, I can't go back on the mean streets of the Federation. I got no, no skills. I didn't go to college. I'm too old now. Like, I just, he's a lifer. He's got to stay. (laughs) You know, I'm sure that, you know, that's why he transferred to DS9. He's like, look, I can get into way more away missions here and maybe die. Like, because that's (laughs) his only way out. Die. That's that's his only (laughs) way out. You know, she'll get the life insurance. The kid will be fine. You know, maybe she'll marry a change. Like, it'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, oh, one thing that I liked about the DS9 episode was how it it, it called back to the TOS episode, yes. uh, explaining how, like, you know, like, Kirk actually telling Spock about the Federation and the Prime yeah. Universe got them to change. hey it changed oh my god isn't this great oh by the way here's the Cardassians and the Bajorans and everybody else and now you guys are completely fucked it's way worse for humanity now than it ever (laughs) was before um so way to go on that Kirk um it's called the prime directive don't mess with another society but they did (laughs) the older I get the more I'm like Kirk's cool at like 28 right like his first Mm -hmm. year being a captain that's cool but him as a human he's the same guy at 59 as he was at 29 oh right? yeah, yeah there is no growth there is no growth like he's still making out with random shape-shifting aliens you know before the big kid accord battle or whatever <laughs> in the undiscovered country right he's yeah. doing the same shit and like to go back to the david marcus sake which i fucking hate him for right and like i love kirk but i kind of hate him as a dad and like he's looking at this picture of David Marcus, he goes, I'll never forgive them for what they did to my boy. The death of his son is still in reflection to his own fucking ego and how he hates his mortal enemy, right? I'm like, you is the enterprise slingshot around the sun and fucking pick up David. Oh, I could rant about that all fucking day. Uh, anyway, so yeah, I think Deep Space Nine for me was my favorite iteration of the mirror universe. And I think the last, the, the, the furthest along the time they have is the Ferengi episode. Yeah. Like, what did you think That's of the Ferengi awesome. episode? So I, I really enjoyed it. But after I watched it twice. Yeah. And after watching it twice, 
I think the reason I really enjoyed it was just because of the Grand Negus and Kawhi. Like, legitimately, like, I really, like, looking at, because I forgot how many Mirror episodes that DS9 did. A lot. And when you get to that one, it's really kind of superfluous. Like, you didn't need this episode. This was just like, hey, guys, we kind of made doing the Mirrorverse stuff like a trope for DS9. Sure. And we haven't done one in a while, so let's go ahead and do one. Yeah. And... Maybe maybe um, Ar- Armin Shimmerin, I, he maybe he had like something in his like, hey, there has to be a Quark episode yeah. as part of like his contract deal, and like, okay, we'll make it the Mirrorverse episode, and we'll get the Grand Nagus, and I love that guy. I can't think of his name, but whether it's the Princess Bride or him playing the Grand Nagus, I love that guy. What? He, I, I just find him so funny, and like he he plays into the Ferengi trope so like he did his voice his mannerisms like whether it was the writing or the way he did it it it's just great yeah it's just it's 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 the point where it's like Quark's got a heart of gold that he tries really hard to hide yeah and you had all this great character development for him throughout the whole series you still gotta give him a reason to go get the nakes right he's like ah yeah. I'm not going to go get him just because I'm a good dude, right? But you give you give him if you give him that pretext that he can make it for profit, it's not really about the profit. Yeah, Quark's actually a decent being. Yeah, right? it's his mom's boyfriend. He's picking up exactly. his mom's boyfriend. <laughs> exactly. So, but but you but if you just said, oh hey, it's the Grand Nagus man, like he would still want to go get him. Yeah, because he actually is a like he it, you get it throughout all of DS9, but he's got like a heart of gold. Yeah, but he hides it. And I'm doing this for me yeah. when you know he's really not. Because well, he, it would be if he's trapped really... in, the, in, the, in the trapping of the Ferengi culture. And we can transition into the Ferengi stuff now, which I'm kind of excited to get into. Is it, 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 it's all about money, right? And I've been an American my entire life. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense, right? Like Ferengi is just like American capitalism, but turned up like one more notch. Like I'm like, oh, I get that a lot, you know, because like on Ferenginar, you pay for every interaction, right? Yep. I'm like, oh, that's like, that's like a Patreon page. That's OnlyFans. That's, that's the DMV. Yeah, that's the DMV. Like, that's- wait, wait, wait. I have to pay you taxes on the car that I already own? Yeah, like what? <laughs> but yeah, but um, before before we go down that r- road, which we totally I'm down for. Yeah, what I want, what what I actually had a laugh out loud moment was when Quark gets in there to the Nagus, like, "Hey, came to the Mirrorverse. I'm here to save you." And here's the Nagus is chilling out, like, "What are you doing here? <laughs> I'm having the ball. This is great. Everybody's greedy. Everybody's backstabby. This is this." This is Valhalla. Like, <laughs> we gotta get all the rest of the Ferengi and get over here, man. Like, this place is great. <laughs> He's getting his ears rubbed by like Mirakira. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, dude, get out of here, man. You're throwing off my game. And that it killed me. I was like, that is <laughs> I, I I really forgot how much I enjoy the character of the Grand Nagus until I watched the episode. And I was just yeah. like, Man, this dude's kind of my spirit animal, and I feel bad about that. <laughs> no, I. But he just—he's lo- living his best life. <laughs> yeah, Quark is probably my favorite character in all of Deep Space Nine overall, just because, you know, he's a little dirty, he's a little sleazy, but also, like you said, he's got a heart of gold. He'll do some shit he doesn't want to do. He'll—he'll. He'll, you know, he picked up his mom in that one where he rounded up all the Ferengi main characters yep. and went to Enpok Noor and he, he stood down a bunch of Jem Hadar to save yeah. his mom, right? Uh, but also, he's not afraid to make a buck here or there, right? Because the Federation's like, oh, you believe in money? And they get all, like, pretentious and, you know, like, oh, we're better than money. He's like, nope, fuck that. Like, you sound poor. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what poor people say. And then, and then they need something, and Quark's like, oh, you need something now, huh? Well, exactly. guess what that's going to cost you? He's the guy. In the Mirror Universe, Quark gets killed because... He's helping human refugees get out to like friendly lines, which is cool. And so he's just kind of like a good guy. Like, like he's countercultural no matter where he's at. Like in the main universe, he's a good guy. He's just like moralistic and just wonderful. And and 
Prime universe, you know, he has all the trappings of like, oh yeah, we're going to screw people. And, but he, he goes, well, for instance, I got it. I got the episode written down right here. I, I took really good notes. <laughs> so my favorite quote from Quark is there's nothing beyond greed because <laughs> you know and i'm like oh that's american style capitalism that's the world i know yeah they, that's gordon gecko greed is good that's gordon gecko and in the episode the house of quark there's a drunk klingon in the bar oh, yeah. and the guy accidentally falls on his own knife and so then quarks all of a sudden like in charge of the klingon house is yep. oh i remember that episode very well oh see no it's just it's great because you know, hey, Klingon died. Not really my fault, but I'm definitely going to capitalize on this capitalize and tell the all these stories. And then, wham, the other Klingon show up and he's like, okay, hey, didn't really do this. He just kind of fell and I figured it'd be a dishonor. So I didn't say anything. And like, okay, good, because now you're the leader of the house and we need you to do all this stuff. And he kind of just being like, being the greedy Ferengi is working yeah. out for him the whole way through. Yeah. And at the end of it, he has that straight up balls out moment of being like, look, I can't fight this dude because I'm going to die. Yeah. But he's also really smart. And he knows, like, hey, if I just toss this weapon down and tell you to kill me, it would be a dishonor for you to kill me like that. It's like fighting a cat. <laughs> yeah it's like you can't you, you you can't win with this guy he's too smart he's too conniving he's yeah. like he's 10 steps ahead of you and what happens dude's got to walk away then the hot clean on chick kisses him slaps him in the face we're divorced now <laughs> cool like because he finds out but at that the end guy. of the day at the end of the day he got a bunch of business for the bar yeah more latinum at the end of it than he did at the beginning he got to make out with a hot clean on chick always a plus <laughs> and, he, and everything's coming up cork baby yeah, like because the 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 brother of the guy who accidentally killed himself in his bar, yeah, was cooking the books to make the drunk look bad, right? That's and right. So that's right. Quark, knowing money, is reading the books and says, "Oh yeah, he's he's lying, right?" And so that's how he's going to win with accounting, <laughs> you know, and and. And so, yeah, and so that's how he, he presents it to the high council, to, count, to Chancellor Montauk. And then they're like, oh, you know, you're a Ferengi. And then, the, like you said, the guy's going to fucking kill him. And Martok's like, I thought he was full of shit, but you are dishonorable. There's no honor in killing a stray cat, right? And that's yeah, exactly. effectively, like, a, a, a Ferengi is half the size of a Klingon. And, yeah, he was kind of... He was kind of badass there. Like, like that could have gone either way. You oh, know? yeah, that was yeah, – there was, there was like, oh, shit, this might not – hey, guys, guys, notice what he's doing. Notice what he's doing. <laughs> and, but, you know, there's – oh, there's something so fucking ballsy about it. We're like, you know, it's it's it really rolled the dice. But, like, it would be like me. I'm five foot seven, right? I've been in maybe four fights my entire life. So I learned how to be funny. So sometimes you got to play to your strengths. And a lot of it's like, oh, I, like in basic training, I made friends with all the ex-felons, you know, all the con oh, ex-cons. That's a smart so way to go. When everyone got, when like, I thought I was being cute and funny at 19, I was really being obnoxious dickhead. And so everyone wanted to fight me. All the ex-cons, you know, like got in front of me and whoever wanted to fight me. So that saved me from a couple ass beatings because I was the funny clown in the corner. They all liked. <laughs> Which, you gotta play to your strengths. You gotta play to your strengths. Um, okay, so there's another Quark episode I really like, and it's and, and I even wrote down like all sorts of stuff. Uh, there's uh, season three, episode twenty three is family business, and it's you know. 90s Star Trek did a lot of like really good progressive ideals and that like, you know, equal right, you know, people should be able to do whatever they want, right? Yeah. Equal rights for everybody. And so, but they hit it really well. So you have this like, you know, like really cartoonish society, the Ferengi, where women aren't allowed to wear clothes or leave the house or earn money, right? It, it's all extreme hyperbole 
uh, of any sort of gender imbalance in our society, right? It, it, it's hype, it's cartoonish hyperbole to illustrate a point. And then Quirk's mom is amazing at earning money. And so in family business, Quirk has to come back and answer for his mom and they're holding him responsible because his dad's dead. And it's got a real, it reminds me a lot of the movies, like the Jane Austen movies from like the mid 1800s and stuff where like, like the oldest the, son is responsible for the mother after the yeah. man dies. And, but then you dig more into the family dynamic there where Quirk left right after he became of age, but Nog, oh, Rom, because yeah, Rom's his brother, right? Yeah, yeah, Rom's his brother, Nog is the nephew. Yeah, and so Rom stayed another 10 years and kind of saw his dad for who he is. But Quirk left right like at 18. And so he could kind of hold on to that like idealistic sort of fantasy of childhood. Like there's the idea of father itself. There's all of this like societal, you know, expectations and things placed on it and and and, and honors and dignities with it. And so that clouds a lot of how you see your parents growing up. But when you grow up and you, you move out, and you're like, oh, this is who my parents are as people, right? That doesn't make them less or better. It just means yeah. it makes them human. And so Quark never saw his father as human, right? And then he died. So Quark held on to that image of his father well in the middle age. And uh, uh, wrong. That idealized version yeah. of uh, of like your parent that were like, you know, they, they were great and they couldn't do any wrong and they were amazing. Oh, and anything my dad that, could beat up anybody. Yeah. Yeah. And anything that happened that was bad was totally not their fault. Yeah. You know, like, and, and, and until you get old enough to realize and see reality for what it is. Yeah. That's just the view you have. Yeah. Like he's not a bad guy. Like, like with Quirk's dad, not a bad guy. Terrible with money. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, the mom was clearly the one keeping things stable. And you can see that with Rom having spent 10 extra years there. And Rom is shattering those illusions. Because Quark is still holding on to those illusions as like a basic essential program of who he is as a man, right? Like, like all men, we base our manhood off of our fathers and or father figures. Yeah. And... So that's what he's doing. And he's basing his off of the idealized version of his dad. And Rom's like, no, dad wasn't a bad guy, but he was terrible with money. And he, you know, he was good. He wasn't a bad dude, but he wasn't like a titan of industry. The dude wasn't Elon Musk. And, and that really fascinated me there. And then you've got Jeffrey Combs as liquidator Brunt. And I love everything Jeffrey Combs. We'll be doing an episode on Jeffrey Combs and each of his characters. He's so good. Like, yeah. how, like, I don't know how you pull that off. Yeah. That you can be so many wildly different characters. Yeah. You know, there's, there's lots of actors that, even though they're in, like, a lot of stuff, they're kind of the same person. Like, like Michael Rooker. I love yeah. Michael Rooker. I've met the guy. Super nice. Guess what? He is every single character. He, think about a Michael Rooker movie right now. Now think of another one. The characters are pretty much identical. He's the same guy in Mallrats as he was in The Walking Dead. And that's because that's just him. Th that dude is balls out crazy, and he's fun. He's yeah. hilarious. But Jeffrey Coombs, he changes every single – especially with all the makeup they use in Star Trek, you cannot know that it's him, Yeah. right? And, and his mannerisms are different. The way he speaks is different. Like he just—he's a great character actor. Yeah. And like so, yeah, I'm a—I'm a big fan of every time I he like, shows up. He's in Brunt. He's Wayun. He's Shran in Enterprise. Oh my Shran! I love him. As and, Shran. And, and, well, we'll save that for the Jeffrey Combs episode because that's yes, an yes, episode all by itself. Oh yeah. Um. Anyway, I've got more on the Ferengi. Hold on. Yeah, so in Profit and Lace, that's kind of where they bring all of the sort of like 
societal change to a head for the Ferengi where the women have equal rights. And you can kind of, mm-hmm. and, and, and they kind of show that Nagus is starting to slip, right? Yeah. Like he's just an old guy and he's getting forgetful. Like, like God willing, I'll be, be an old guy and be forgetful. I'm a young guy and I'm forgetful. Yeah. And so there is a line that I like, which is, to be a good Nagus, his personal greed must reflect the public's greed, right? <laughs> I feel like, much like how Lorca was like Kirk, but with all of the sort of like pretense and morality stripped away, yeah. the Ferengi is America with all of the pretense and any sort of attempt at morality stripped away. It's it, it, if, if we gave into our own base selves, that's who we'd be. And I'm okay with it. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, there's, I mean, not, not just in Star Trek, but in other science fiction, like that's any, any system of, of a society taking yeah. to the extremes generally ends either really, really badly, or at least in a television show or a movie, it's a good trope to use. Yeah. Right. Like, like capitalism is great for lifting people up. Oh my God. Yeah. Until it's unchecked, unbridled capitalism where you can completely crush the little guy to make an extra 10 cents on a dollar that you're, that you're producing. Right. Like that. Yeah. Like you can always take it super far and using the Ferengi for that is something that Star Trek was really great at. Like if you realistically thinking about it, you've got like, Ferengi are capitalism. Mm-hmm. Cardassians and Klingons are like, uh, or Cardassians are like militarism. Yeah. Klingons are like machoism. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of another way of going. Like the, say- the Borg, the Borg is like way too much uh, conformity. Uh, not like conf- conformity or um, or trying to become too technologically dependent. Yeah, like there's, there's all sorts of allegories that you can use that they they, they use a species to show. I see. And I never it, thought of it that way. That's really brilliant. And it, it and it's it's great for storytelling because yeah. then it's like, hey, we need a story about X, Y, or Z. Like, oh, that's a Ferengi story, or hey, you need Klingons for that. Oh, that's a Cardassian thing, yeah. you know. And it, it's great. Or, or like, um, or police states, Romulans. Hello, Talciar. There it's, you go. <laughs> you know it. It, it, it works and because it's in a sci-fi setting you don't get a lot of blowback from people like if yeah. if uh and and we get them in star trek too yeah yeah, and, yeah. but it's just like they just do it in such a, a good they do it in a good way they, they, they really do make a good villain and they do it in, in in such a great way of us being able to tell it's like the ferengi are a flawed race for lack of a better term sure but then you meet the individuals and you're like, oh, Quark's got a heart of gold. Yeah. Rock really loves his son and wants to like be a better person. And Mary's and a Domo girl. Be a, yeah. And be a better, like, just be a better like being. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The Nagus is greedy as shit. But guess what? He's not super bad. Yeah. Quark's mom convinces him to do some good stuff. Exactly. He's, he's got a good sense of humor. He you falls know? in love with like you know like like a like a feminist trailblazer and then like and then like, and yeah, you, know, we, you can wear clothes yeah. start to relax them and it's it, it's almost like you know I don't know if this is intentional yeah or if it was just an outgrowth but it's like they give us these two dimensional Ferengi or greedy horrible profit driven species but then they let us get to know a couple of them yeah and you're like oh you know what. Some of them might be, their society might be seen like that, but they're really not. It's just the system they're in. It's almost like people judging others based on stereotypes. And then yeah, like in this great big circle of taking you round and round with it. And they just, they just do such a good job of it. You know, it, it, and it, it's like, I, it, let, let's say shits and giggles. Let's say I'm a Democrat. And then I say, oh, well, you know, the Republicans, hate this and they're like that and but i don't know any right and so but then you meet one you're like oh hey they're humans that just want to raise fat kids and pay a mortgage just like me you know yeah and the vice versa is clearly true as well and 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 that's really brilliant i haven't thought of it like that like like these they painted broad struck brushes broad struck brush there you go 
<laughs> well, I said it messed up too. Broad brush stroke. <laughs> so after a while, if you talk enough, you just kind of. How put, have both of us graduated from college? I <laughs> we you can't know. Speak. I, oh, the American education system is so sad. I it's yeah it it's it's I mean I got a general studies liberal arts degree where like I took you know uh, history of rock and roll one two and three and the beatles in my senior year you know you <laughs> go to harvard and, you, and there's a star trek course shut the fuck up swear god look at it you can look it up right now there's a star there was a i don't know if it's still there but i know back in like 2000 2002 there was a star trek course at harvard how how are they oh. <laughs> anyway do you have any closing thoughts on the mirror universe on the ferengi in general well, you know, um, I'll do the Mirror Universe first, and then I'll do the Ferengi. Right. Um, Mirror Universe, love the, 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 it's great. It was a ready-made plot device for all the shows, and what they did with it over the course of, you know, DS9 and Discovery, the one episode in the original series, it was, it's fun. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it was a fun thing and the way they tied it together and they actually made it like matter um, in like, cause like in discovery, the whole reason they end the clean on war is because they have Empress Giorgio who tells them like, Hey, by the way, they're like, you drop a bomb down in this spot on the clean on home world. The whole thing's going to blow up. Like, Oh, Hey, war's <laughs> over. So it, boom, not a problem. Cause you know, and you kind of write yourself into a corner there when like, when it's like the cleaners are kicking the crap out of everybody. Like, well, then how do you win? Um, <laughs> oh, Hey, this is how we win. And the way that, like, they, they influenced each other, um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I hope I hope we get more. And then lo I'd, I'd love to see what Lower Decks would do with one. That would be amazing. I, they did a little uh, bit with it. They did a little bit. Well, it was a simulator, right? Like, yeah. it was, you, you remember, they're like, oh, we have to pass the simulator. And then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but a, a Lower Decks one would be fun. Uh, it's just, you, you got to be careful with it now, though. Almost because you've set up a continuity for it. Yeah. So the more and and it's getting like they did a I think it was smart when they 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 kicked Discovery like a thousand years in the future or whatever. But like Strange New Worlds, it's like, hey man, Kirk's gonna show up to the mirror universe and no one really had beforehand, right? So that I think that's kind of why Enterprise's episodes they didn't have a crossover. It was just they yeah. just showed it to you. So I don't think we're gonna get one in the Strange New Worlds. And but as we go along in Star Trek, I I hope we get more of it. Or you know what? Give me a Mirrorverse show. Yes, that's what I was like, thinking. Do 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 a whole show or a mini series in the Mirror Universe, and like you know what? Bring uh bring uh bring Colin Meany back or or um <laughs> Man a visitor. You know, like as the, like their old Mirrorverse selves. Like, hey, we really turned this thing around, huh? <laughs> but Man is still like hot and like oh, naughty and wrong. <laughs> oh, most definitely. Or just just something like that. Like it 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 could be a fun. It could be fun. You know, for like yeah. a few episodes. The uh, but and then to the Ferengi, I man, it was so much fun. Yeah, like they are they they are a lot of fun, and they they go from villain and next gen to man, I love Quark and Nog's going to be a Starfleet captain that gets a ship named after him eventually. Like that's a lot of growth, right? <laughs> that, there's a lot there. I'm I'm excited for when we do the Dominion War episode and talk about Nog's PTSD after losing his leg and stuff. I haven't oh. actually watched those yet. But I'm saving oh, those I haven't for the seen those in, It's been a couple years since I've seen those. And, you know, I actually kind of feel like the um, the first couple episodes when uh, when they get kicked off of DS9, mm -hmm. it's, those episodes were always a slog for me. And I don't know why. But it's just something about those. There's like three or four episodes yeah. after they're kicked off of DS9 that are just like a slog. Like there's one infiltration episode. There's one where like Cisco is not going to be captain of the fine anymore or something. And for whatever reason, the, I feel like a lot of people don't like those episodes and it kind of slows. I, I think that slowed down DS9 a little bit. I don't know why I think that. I look but forward I to rewatching those and figuring it out together. Um, but then it ramps back up and it gets yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. Then it's some of the best trek you're ever gonna see. Yeah, yeah. It 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 probably 
influenced most of my early books that I wrote. But anyway, sir, uh, well, I what, think. What's what about up? you? Oh, you, you got uh, my final thoughts. This is your podcast, man. What are your final? You're the host. I just like letting you're the, people you're, talk. You're the you're, you're the central computer around here, man. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> I just like letting people talk. Um, I kind of want to read the rules of acquisition in the mirror universe. Ooh, like I don't know what it would say. It probably wouldn't be much of a change. Like, or in the mirror universe, are is the Ferengi the sort of altruistic, sort of neoliberal space hippies that are like you know, out to save the universe and mm. bring forth the light of enlightenment or whatever. Like, yeah, you know how the Federation's kind of pretentious? Like, yeah, are the Ferengi kind, pretentious kind, in the mirror universe? Kind of pretentious? Yeah. The a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Oh, you know what we didn't talk about, though? What's that? that? I thought we were going to. Um, what uh, what mirrorverse captain would you serve under? Oh, Lorca, clearly. Okay. I, yeah, same page. Like, same. like, Lorca and then... Uh, major Kira, but in Mirror Universe Kira. Though and, I gotta, I gotta say, Mirror Verse Cisco, yeah, would be fun. Yeah. Now you're gonna, you're probably gonna die. He might even be the one to kill you, but it'd be fun. It would be fun. Now I, I would I'm still, I would still choose Lorca because he's way more stable. Miles O'Brien, Mirror Universe number two, Lorca number one. Uh, yeah, I agree with this. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I just want to know what the rules of acquisition in the mirror universe are. And I kind of want a 10 episode series about the mirror universe. Like it could be an anthology. It could be just like throughout the timeline, but. Oh uh, yeah, it definitely, it definitely could be. And with, with all the Trek that's being made. Yeah. I gotta think it's going to get pitched. Yeah. Like there's no way we're the two, we're the only two schmucks thinking about this. Right. Like. <laughs> It, it's got like somebody's got to bring it like hey why don't we do a mirror verse like season? yeah and like as the world slowly descends into dystopic mad max hellscape and if paramount plus can just keep pumping out like star trek i'll be happy <laughs> like oh yeah like as long yeah, as they, there's still good bourbon being made that's all i care about yeah I, yeah not 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 gonna not gonna argue that in the slightest anyway sir uh, i think we will wrap up there but for the Blanket Forward to Solitude, this is Derwin. Dan. And we will see you next Monday morning at 0700.